The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hey, this is Matt Landry, the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars. This is where the fun begins. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 164. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hi, I'm Robert King, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about the deeper themes and meanings found in everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. Today, we're discussing the first two episodes of Visions Season 2. For those not familiar, Visions is an experimental series in which animation studios from around the world are invited to make a short episode inspired by the Star Wars universe. They're not canon. Every episode tells a self-contained story. No two are alike. It's I, it's something I've not seen any other franchise really do, and it's it's kind of an amazing uh, event. Um, joining me on the panel today are Chris Hagen. Hello, happy to be here. And Catherine Lafferty. Hello. And Patrick Mason. Howdy, Rob. It is great to have you all on the podcast today. Before we get into our conversation, I want to make a quick note about our format for this summer. We've been dropping episodes every week, but over the summer, we're going to relax a little bit and we'll drop episodes about every two weeks instead. So today's episode should come out on June 6th. Our next episode will drop on June 20th and so on until Ahsoka starts airing sometime in August. At that point, we'll start recording weekly again to keep up with that show. I mean, not that anyone here is all that excited about Ahsoka. I mean, <laughs> like, not at all. No, not, not at the all. least. No. No, 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 definitely. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say I am cautiously optimistic. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into these episodes. Um, the first episode is ominously titled Sith. And it follows a former Sith apprentice named Lola and her droid, E2, who are living peacefully but in hiding until her old master from the Sith named Kutu finds her. It was animated by El Giri Studios out of Madrid, Spain. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and the first thing that catches me about oh, really about all the visions episodes but especially about this one is the artistic style of it all and Catherine you're an artist would you uh kick us off here how would you how would you describe the artistic style of this episode with i mean with this one it it really caught my eye because of the contrast of color that they threw out there i mean right off the get go and you have this whole play of color and dark and back and forth. And I really did pick up that um, 
the creators of this show have had a lot of experience across different studios. So you could kind of get the feel that this is a well-rounded, well-developed concept as far as the style and design goes. But just the play of colors, what really saturated the whole thing. You have this um, orange for, you know, hope, almost like a sunrise or sunset. And then, you know, how it goes deep into hard reds and blacks, and then it'll come back into stark white. And that whole play just really made it dynamic. I mean, to kick off the series with this show as an artist was shocking to me because it felt like everything I go through when I go to paint and I have had moments where it is complete dark despair and then times of, yes, I can do this. And then you're in the middle of, yes, I can do this. And it's right back to dark despair. And there are times where you have to walk through a dark tunnel and hope that there's color on the other side. What, what about the others? Uh, what struck you sort of visually or artistically about, about uh, this first episode? Well, for me, I was uh, I was confused right off the bat uh, because it was just so impressionistic and I didn't know what environment I was in and such. So it took me a bit to adjust to, well, what's the story here? What am I looking at? You know, I've never seen anything like this in Star Wars. Um, once Lola leaves her... her, her um, uh, it's not a fortress, but you know wherever she is, and she's out on the the planetoid and such. That felt more familiar and um, literally more grounded, and I I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it as it went. The story went from that point on. Yeah, I um I was immediately reminded of like an old cartoon, computer animated cartoon uh, called Reboot. I don't know if anybody has ever seen that, but oh my gosh! I yes. have friends who are fans of Reboot. I haven't seen it myself, but yeah, go on. Yeah, I, and I don't know why. Like, but immediately I was like, "This looks very similar to Reboot," and that stuck with me so hard. It took about it was probably the third or fourth watch before I realized what they were really doing with the white spaces, especially inside her home, and how mm-hmm. they were using it as a like this was. In her mind's consideration, there were things that were that mattered, and that was in color or black and white or, or whatever. And then there was things that didn't matter, and all of that was just whited out, right? And you could see it as she's moving through, and especially once the Sith enters, and it, she's suddenly in a fighting space, and suddenly mm-hmm. they're in, you know, the corridors and whatever. There's they're real, right? But before they were kind of this weird white space and she's jumping from lily pads and you're like what in the heck is going on Uh (laughs) um but it was it was the more i watched it the more like i got in i was like this is just really cool (laughs) this is just really neat um which kind of i guess brought me back around from reboot because i always thought reboot was really cool and neat but (laughs) (laughs) um that's and that's that's the other thing i did like once she leaves the house or or base or whatever. And she's out in the plant, like everything's real, right? Like the whole, everything's just real again. Um, and that was really cool. Um, but yeah, that, that was the main thrust of the art artistic style, I guess that they used that, but that was really cool. But yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really clear that there were elements that were, mm, yeah, for lack of a better term, real in the, in the story. And 
yet there were also like even even when she was outside um when she uh when she discovers the sith master who is after her like the there was this like wipe or wash across the screen and the color and the level of detail all changed as if she was being brought into like a more uh a more literal experience of reality at that point um and then yeah, when they get it was back like this yeah, like, go ahead. like the the beams of like red and orange that shoot past her as she's like noticing him, and it brings it into frame, and then the whole thing washes out into like red. Like yeah. that was like, really cool. <laughs> yeah, well, that was based on that. Fr- he said, "Remember," and that yeah. was her remembering. Yeah, that was her struggle. That was her fight to be free. And then all of a sudden, it's darkness and red and terror. So. Yeah, but then she when she back in the run, yeah, when when he follows her back into the the ship or the base or or whatever it is, um, I guess the base, um, he follows her in, and again, there's kind of a wash from the darkness into her painting space, and it's all you know the walls are all white and sort of schematic, and and they're just these splashes of color. And he looks around, the Sith, the Sith Master looks around and says, this is what you left me for? Like, he's, he's just being utterly dismissive. But it's also clear that he's kind of seeing what she's seeing. And that, that kind of flipped my understanding of, oh, okay, what is real and what is, I don't know, dream space or imagination I I was almost wondering, it's like, is her force power to like express this view of reality into the world around her or something? So uh, you can watch the extras on Disney Plus for each of the Visions episodes. And the one for this one, the creators specifically said that she is choosing to use the force to make art. And mm-hmm. so that's what she's doing in her and where she lives. Yeah. And I can say from my own experience and from what my family has had to watch me do every time I see a wall. <laughs> <laughs> every wall is a blank canvas. And yes, in one house, I actually did do an entire surround mural in a room because it needed it. So, but yes, I mean, there was, there was so much of this that was like watching myself and seeing like every wall is a blank space, you know, walking through um, her splatters of paint that exploded off of her attempt, you know, with her morning coffee to try to, I can hold on to this color and then to see it splatter out and then come alive. And when I was in high school, I had to do a speech about art and about my painting. And I told them that, Everything I've ever painted is alive to me. Hmm. And so when I am working on something, whether I'm doing a painting of an animal or a saint or something, it's like I am with them. So it's Hmm. that is like looking inside an artist head right there. (laughs) Well, that that would make sense of like she's she's like drawing the paint up with the force and like giving it color right at the beginning and then it turns black 
And she's like, I can't keep the darkness out of it. Um, and that, um, okay. So this is, this is maybe something nobody else is interested in, but, but I am a big Stephen Sondheim fan and I just, a couple of weeks ago, saw a local production of Sunday in the Park with George, which is about Georges Seurat painting his um, Sunday afternoon on the island of Le Grand Jatte, which is lots of dots of color on a blank canvas. You know, the, the play begins white, a blank page or canvas, and it's all about color and light, color and light. And I'm thinking that's what this character wants is color and light and she has to go through this understanding of that darkness is part of the painting process it's not just color and light it's color and light and darkness as well yeah i i as a um a guy has probably taken far too much physics for one human being, <laughs> um in my time there's a very interesting difference between um, light and um, like palette colors because um, and, and the, what, what finally struck me at some point in my twenties, probably, but maybe my teens was, <laughs> was that in a, in a palette with paint, if I mix all the paints together, I get black, right? If I mix, you know, blue and green and red and brown, and I just mix them all together, eventually I end up with black, right? And um, with light, if I mix all the lights together, I get white. Mm-hmm. It's a very different different thing when you're when you're dealing with light versus uh, paint, and um, it's also kind of a weird, like. <sighs> it's not quite reverse, but it, it doesn't work the same like addition, right? Cause if you have, if I have like a big, um, bunch of black, right. And I add like paint and I add white paint to it. It takes a long time for the gray to really resolve. Whereas if I have a whole bunch of white paint and I add a little bit of black, I get gray immediately, right. After mixing it. But with light, it, it doesn't like if I'm, if I just mix a little bit of black into a big white spotlight, You'll never notice it, right? Until until the blackness gets big enough to really resolve out the, the whiteness. And so it has this kind of reverse effect as well with addition and subtraction of color. Um, I never thought I'd be able to talk about it. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to watch as she interacts with her environment, like she's walking around, right? She's taking steps on those stairs and she turns the stairs black as she goes. But then when she, she's in the space later with the Sith master, the stairs aren't black anymore. They've been whited out again and places she touches will turn black until she's not touching them anymore. And then they'll resolve back to color. Um, even the, the, like the drops, the droplets she that turn black in the beginning mm-hmm. and then, and then kind of explode out. Like once she comes out of sort of that headspace, it's all color again, um, mm-hmm. and so it's like this this black wash that's sort of coming out of her and being put on her environment, but that's not really necessarily what's out there, and it's sort of like this black light. Uh, I say black light, but <laughs> you know, it's like this dark light, right? That's coming from her that she hasn't been able to resolve yet. That's washing out the color. Um, in the palette, but it's doing it like paint. It's not doing it like light. If that makes sense. 
I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for me, every time something turned black and she was working on it, it brought back just uh, a really difficult time. I went through painting a crucifix for a school where I had so much self-doubt that I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it. And that's what it, it feels like. It's such a darkness. I mean, I actually asked for a priest to pray for me because I felt under attack. It was so dark. Like, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You'll never be able to be good enough. You know, so that is a, a real thing to go through. And that's why when I saw her walk from the one room that she was in with her coffee through that dark tunnel before she got through to the other side, it's like, yes, I mean, that's the barrier you have to go through over and over again. And it's, it's, you know, it's terrible. It's, but you gotta trust in God. That's why I don't start working without praying. And I've got, uh, one prayer. Part of it is just, um, I ask Christ to come live in me and shine through me so that others will see your transforming beauty in my life and in my work. Cause it's like, I can't do it on my own. There's no way. So did Lola do it on her own? Uh, as in, I'm, I'm sort of jumping ahead to that, uh, end of this episode where, um, she seems to decide to maybe integrate her darkness and, and overcome it at the same time. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't seem to call on the force to help her do that. It just seems she's able to do it on her own. This is the part of the story where I thought it's lacking a, a, a savior to sort of cleanse the darkness. Well, we definitely have like the force as more and more kind of an active power, not just a passive power in the Star Wars universe. But it is very different from the notion of God and grace and um, and his relationship with us in, that we have in Christianity. So it's, yeah, it's, um, I can't see... I mean, Lola obviously was not praying to the Force to save her, but she was definitely connected to the Force. And um, so in that sense, I i mean, I, I think you could say, no, she didn't do it on her own in without the Force, but, but I'm not sure we would say the Force saved her in the way that we would say Jesus saves us. Yeah, it felt like she was still walking the fence at the end. Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem like like it didn't seem like it mattered to her light or dark. It was I've got my own path now. Um and wherever I am in that path and it seemed more like at the personal, end Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. yeah. She you know, I've got my own it, I think she literally says that. <laughs> I've got my own <laughs> path or way or mm -hmm. um and but yeah, she, she there's a the resolution that occurs is her integrating the darkness into herself, which you got to ask yourself, okay, what does that mean <laughs> like for yeah. her going forward? <laughs> well, I think this is this is one of the things that Star Wars as a as a fictional universe is still kind of struggling with. Because there's definitely the idea of balance that is that is huge in the Star Wars universe. And a lot of people take that to mean a balance between light and dark. 
Um, and there's that whole sort of psychological underpinning of, of Star Wars that, uh, that, yeah, talks about, you know, the, the idea of needing to integrate the shadow into the self in order to find, you know, who you truly are and to heal your wounds. But then there's also the kind of moral aspect of the light and the dark that, the light side is good and darkness is evil. The dark side is, is anger and suffering and, 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 you know, unlimited power. And, um, and I'm not sure those <laughs> things really reconcile well, like on across the star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this particular short film, uh, I think is pretty clearly going for the kind of psychological notion. I don't know. I, I guess as, as, as a Christian, as a Catholic, I would say, well, the, the truth in that is that we do need to accept our limitations and our fears and our, um, you know, even our faults, our past sins and offer those to God. But I don't know if we would say we, we seek to integrate them into ourselves. Like it's like, I want to make my sin part of myself more fully or something. It's a, no, it's something that we bring to God for healing. Indeed. Yeah. I'd almost miss that, uh, uh, Baroque feeling of the light piercing through the dark. That's what I was waiting for. I wanted to see, the light piercing through the dark. The one redeeming thing was the work that she was trying to paint mm. was a um, premonition of what was going to happen. So it was her hand with her lightsaber in front mm -hmm. of her master's face. And it was strange because I'm like, she's obsessing over him. She's still stuck in the trap. And if you notice, there was a spider web on her bed in the black that exploded out from her nightmares. So here she was, this little fly trapped in the web. So she's still trying to escape from him. She's still assessing about him. But then at the end, when she finishes her painting, it's only her hand with her lightsaber and the master's gone. Mm -hmm. So it's like she's overcome the trap, so to speak. I hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's like the first time you see her master is when she's walking through that tunnel to, to her painting space. And you see that like dissolve with his eyes kind of just, and it's funny because the robot sort of know, you know, sorry, the droid, <laughs> he too like kind of looks up. It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, you have like, yeah. she's walking through what is initially a white space that has this red paint dripping down, but it's in the kind of square format, which, you know, just, screamed at me reboot because <laughs> it was that <laughs> kind of blocky squarish kind of a thing but um yeah and and right like her the big thing like that that really integrates her is like she's got the yellow lightsaber and then suddenly the red lightsaber coming out the other side and then she's able to mm -hmm. defeat the master and then you get kind of the haunting words you know you've done well my apprentice you know you're going to be the na the master now yeah and she accepts the term master, even if she rejects Sith. Yeah. I wonder what Yoda would say about this. 
<laughs> you know, once you go down that dark side, um, <laughs> forever will it dominate your destiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I've actually thought a lot about that. Um, like, uh, you know, I've, I've had some, some dark places in my own life and it's like, you know, can I ever find forgiveness for some of the sins that I've committed for some of the things that I've done? And it's like, dominate your destiny is not the same as control your options or, or force you to be dark for the rest of your life. It's like just that will always be a part of, you know, who I am, who Lola is, who, who any of us are, but it's also something that we can use as you know, experience to build upon and turn toward the greater and greater light. Um, and I, I don't know, in, in the end, I think that's my hope for Lola. Um, at, at, at mass this morning, we had a baptism. And so we had the, the um, renewal of baptismal promises instead of the, the creed. Um, and it's, you know, it's basically the creed, but before you get to the creed, there's that uh, challenge at the beginning. You know, do you reject Satan and all of his works and all of his empty promises? And I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we had a baptism this morning, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, it strikes me that, oh, yeah, this is, you know, when we talk about conversion as Christians, we're talking about a movement away from sin and toward God, toward love, toward uh, Christ. And, and so this very much struck me as, okay, this is her absolute turn away from the Sith. I am not a Sith. I reject the Sith. And, Maybe there's a path of deeper and ongoing conversion ahead of her. Well, they had that nice trinity at the end of blue, red, and yellow. <laughs> that was like the last thing they ended on. It was like, okay, they brought it back to the primary colors. She's got a new beginning. Let's see if she can stick to the light. And a sweet new ship. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and that was... I don't know if I like this ship. <laughs> <laughs> That was something that struck me as like really cool. Um, I'm going to keep saying the word cool, aren't I? So, but, (laughs) you know, in the beginning, her, her base um, is the place where you have that kind of white washout and the coloration of the, of the stuff she is really just focusing on the stuff she is kind of making real or making present. And that whole, the lily pad space with the door and everything. And you see, like quote unquote the real the real world version of it, which is just a hallway that kind of looks like a ship's hallway, and where she's fighting the Sith Lord, and then like she brings him into her space via the Force, I'm guessing, <laughs> and <laughs> and you know all of that's going on inside of her. But when she's outside of that, um, the scenes that take place outside of that, it's all like everything's painted, right? The whole landscape is painted. The the you know the 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 starscape is painted. There's moons and suns and and everything uh and that changes but it never goes white until the end where she is like she's declared herself the master um 
and and then as she's flying off, you see it all swirls out into white and goes to the primary colors. Like she is now able to bring that view of things into the wider world and not just in her little base. Um, that's what I took out of that. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it was that's just a... awesome. I know. That's the goal of Catholic artists to take that beauty out into the world and change the world to uplift culture through the beauty. So maybe that's a goal. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Chris? Any, any final thoughts on, on uh, Sith as, as an episode? Uh, the character design of the Sith Lord, I really dug. Um, he was yeah. nice and scary. Um, I usually watch Star Wars with some of my children and I, Six-year-old was appropriately kind of about it. (laughs) Not in a scarring way, just in a, he's a scary guy. Um, Another thought is that uh, evil is more fascinating than good. And, you know, the first two episodes we're going to be talking about are about Sith. Um, And it it is, uh, it is fascinating to hear about how these evil people try to, manipulate, hold on to control and such. Um, and it leaves me hoping that Lola does meet a Jedi somewhere along the way um, to help further her path. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I do think it, it ultimately is an episode that ends in hope, um, which is maybe a good chance to switch gears and uh, move on to the next episode which as you said also talks about the sith or involves the sith but uh not not in quite so obvious a way um so the second episode of visions is of season two is called screechers reach it's animated by cartoon saloon which is the irish studio uh maybe best known for secret of the kells or song of the sea it follows a young girl named Doll who works in an industrial workhouse of some sort, but she wants out. She wants another life. She follows the promptings of a medallion to go face the ghost of Screecher's Reach. And she has three friends who follow her as she goes off to confront this ghost. Um, when they get to the cave, her friends run away, but she stays and discovers that this ghost is actually a woman wielding a red lightsaber. Um, and with a, a, a painfully powerful voice. And, uh, it seems to prompt doll to, uh, discover her own force powers in order to defeat her. She claims the red lightsaber as her own and through the medallion contacts uh, a presence who uh, a a woman who comes down in a ship and invites doll to go with her, but only doll it's the, this is, she has been grooming doll as her apprentice. And um, in the credits, this character is explicitly titled Sith mother it's a very different animation style um and and again Catherine, uh let's let's start with uh your thoughts on like the animation the art of this 
particular piece? Well, for me, um, I had never seen Secret of Kells. So when I heard a lot of people mentioning it, I uh, went back and watched it. So it was neat to see the style being brought into the Star Wars universe and very, you know, old school hand-drawn kind of feel. What really struck me was the opening scene. I felt like I was in the Rouge plant in Detroit looking at the Diego Rivera murals of the factory. Mm. Oh, yeah. It had that same feel, that movement, the grind of it's going from the raw material into something. And then, uh, yeah, it just it had such a good movement that way. And then you go from that harsh reality out across the flats, and it's mystical. You feel like it's so different. And uh, it felt even different than the characters. It, it changed everything. You had this real gritty mechanical feel to just smooth glass. And then they're in the mm-hmm. forest and it gets all warm and soft and earthy again. It was such a beautiful moment. And then into the cave, everything just felt like hardcore scratches of unreality. It was just like thrown at you. Yeah. Um, and so it felt like an illusion the whole time. The mm-hmm. cave felt like an illusion. And I'll, I got some thoughts on that later. I'll get to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but then to end with the Sith mother trying to look like this angel from heaven, I was like, mm. I think I mentioned it to a friend once that felt like, here, little girl, you want some candy? Come in my car. <laughs> I did not like that. But yeah, just the constant contrast up and down through the different styles and looks really moved the energy of this piece. It. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I am a big fan of of uh, both Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea, and I love the sort of aggressively two D approach to animation. Um, that and and maybe it's just because we're living in an age where everything is three D. Um, so much is computer generated, and and so on. That to see that that very human style of animation is is e- instantly a connection for me. Um, what, uh, what did you guys, the, the others, uh, Patrick, what did you think of the animation style? Um, so what hit me real quick is the, the first piece of it while they're still in the workhouse and they're making their way out of town, um, was it, it reminded me very much of Warhammer 40k. <laughs> I don't know if oh, it, okay, yeah. any of you have ever uh-huh. seen that or explored that world, that worlds within worlds within worlds that, so if you haven't gone there, don't, because it'll, <laughs> it'll take over your life for several years. Um, but basically, it's a setting in 40,000 years in the future. And the concept of, of humanity, most humans live on worlds that are dedicated to like a single purpose. And they're going to wake up and live their lives doing the single thing, like they're part of a foundry world or a factory world. And that's just what struck me about this, that these people are like, because you see it, like the first thing that comes on is the beds, right? They're all waking up and then you go a level higher mm-hmm. and they're doing this, the task of bringing the stuff out of the mines. You go a level higher, they're, they're uh, working it and then, you know, a level higher and you get that robot pushing the button over and over and over and then you get a little higher and dolls <laughs> trying to work that wheel as hard as she can and the steam's coming out and she's getting ticked off, and, you know, um, but just, just that whole, the whole, and the way it was aggressively 2D, right? Very much set up like a lot of the artwork from that um, franchise, and then a lot of the 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 other stuff like them, their suits they're wearing, 
the um, the droid walkers they go into, or the the walkers they go by, and the speeders, the speeders themselves, they don't strike me as typically Star Wars. They strike me more as as uh, interesting Warhammer 40k kind of stuff. So that's what really like hit me, kind of punched me in the mouth, like when I first um, when I first saw it. But yeah, and then quickly you get out of that, and you're in the woods, and it's like, oh, this is really cool. But like that that sort of Especially when I can't remember the character's name, but um, he says, you know, there are worse lives, right? Like there are worse ways to live. That struck yeah, me as a Bathon is the guy's name. Yeah, Bathon. The only guy, the only guy who has color in his eyes because everybody else is just black. But he seems to be able to see. Um, but yeah, like that, that struck me as just kind of a very like not as not so much a Star Wars notion. Um, at least not one we typically think about. Uh, so I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. How about you, Chris? What, what struck you about the, the artwork, uh, in Screechers Reach? <laughs> um, I don't know if I have the language to talk about the artwork. Um, I was familiar with the secret of Kells and stuff. So I was looking forward to that style of animation for this. Um, I, the simplicity of it, you know, it, it has bold lines for the characters, um, uh, helps draw me into the story itself and to pay, you know, if something is quite detailed, I'm apt to be looking at the backgrounds and, and lots of things like that, which is fine. But the simplicity of all this helps to focus in on the story and, um, what the characters are saying with their faces and such so i appreciated that and there was a lot they were saying yeah yes i i i want to get back to patrick that that exchange between bathon and doll you know there are worse lives doll and doll replies there are better ones there are better ones yeah yeah um and and that just struck me as like the the deep conundrum of this whole episode um, the story that they were all trying to deal with and um i don't know what i i keep putting myself kind of in each of the characters places and and say what would i do in that spot what would i do and and you know bathon is is clearly the the voice of you know this is this is what we have we just have to do the best with what we have but doll has always wanted something more. Um, I would say Bathon and the other two, for them, it's enough that the four of them are a group. You know, there are worse lives, but we're here together. And Dahl is not satisfied with them as a group, um, at least in the way she plays out her quest to go to the the cave and such. I was struck by as she uh, is leaving the, the, the work area and Bathon and the others come up behind her. The first expression on her face is like, it's, it's almost like, why are they following me type thing? It's not a, Oh, here are my friends. Uh, well, let's, you know, go do this together sort of thing. So it, it seems that Doll's dilemma is that she wants something better that doesn't include the people that she's already got. And the people she already have has 
kind of throughout the story keep kind of just wanting her to be with them. Yeah. It felt like they were trying to be family to support each other. And actually the characters, I'm like, why do they look so familiar? It was the third time I watched it. I was like, this is the Incredibles. Bathon oh, yeah. Yeah. Looks so much like Mr. Incredible. The little guy who was hitting his head against the tree. <laughs> Was was Dash? Dash, and then yes, yes. The crazy littlest one was, you know, almost like uh, the baby in that. Jack Jack. And so Jack Jack, yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh. So then, as I watch it again, it's like, oh, here's this family unit that is trying to help her as best they can with what they have, and she's. You could tell she's totally zoned out. Doesn't want to see it. It wasn't until they finally got her to smile at the campfire. That you could see it in Bathon's face. He thought he felt like I've done something for her. I've taken care of her. I've done what I wanted to do. And I have to say, going back to the beginning, watching her struggle with that wheel, I felt like her anger and frustration caused the failure. That buildup of red. Yeah. yeah it yeah, almost yeah. felt like a little bit of dark side just oozing out of her, like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's good. And and it's the um it's our Jack Jack analog or um whose whose name is uh Kina. She's the one who recognizes, oh, this is a dark place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then later, like in the cave, when when the ghost starts to manifest and things start getting dangerous, um Doll says to the other three, go on, get out of here. I, I'll be right behind you. And Kina stops and turns to her and says, come with us. I've got I've you. I've got you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And she's like the littlest one. She's the one everyone wants to take care of. And yet. And she's I've almost sprite like. She looks like a little woodland sprite. You know, she's so different from the rest of them. It's like she's trying to be this little bubble of joy. Come with. You'll be okay. Come with us. Yeah, it took, like, it was probably the third or fourth time I watched it that I realized, like, just how determined um, Doll was to do this thing and get where she was going. Like, I think the first time, first and maybe second time I watched it, it sort of felt like she was stumbling forward. Or that, you know, this was just part of a, a thing. And then it really, like, sunk into me after I stopped paying attention to the backgrounds <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, that I was like, oh, wait, no. Like, this, she is, like, driving this. Like, this is, like, a goal, you know, a full-blown quest thing that she is on. Um, and, like, the fact that Bathon gets her to smile, even. Because she's she's always got this sort of dour, determined face on. Um, but she, even after the smile, she, she turns the conversation into let's get going back up to the, like it, it all moves still forward towards, towards the cave. Yeah. And that cave is, is absolutely terrifying. It's on your Especially mind. Yeah. Once, once the screeching starts. Oh yeah. Gosh. The actual physical hair raising moments. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, so it was at that moment, I think my six-year-old, you know, came across the room into my lap. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, I had to turn lights on. <laughs> yeah. But I like the 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 um the dash analog. He's like, you know what? I don't want to see the ghost anymore. <laughs> I'm good. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh no. No, I saw the ghost. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. 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 Catherine, you said you had you had thoughts about the cave. Yes. So you have the whole talk about this isn't real. It's in my mind. And it does feel like an illusion when she first sees the ghost because of the way it's all so scribbly. Everything just seems like it's an unfinished work. Right. It's not distinct. Yeah, not distinct at all. Then you have her, you know, crushing this poor being under under the rock. And as I looked at her, I was like, this could be the Sith mother's former master that has been trapped in this cave. And the Sith mother set this whole thing up so that Dahl will kill her to take that next step to the dark side. Because here she killed a creature that was trapped and dying anyway. And it was kind of like, wow, that, yeah. You could, it felt like she was being drawn into a trap. You know, I'm going to get her to kill, and then right, she's sure. mine. This is this is a theme in Star Wars from the beginning. You know, the, you know, strike me down and your journey to the dark side will be complete. You know, it's, it's... Um, I don't know, you didn't do that right. Will be complete. It's more guttural. More Sorry. guttural. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was waiting for a I've little stone to go. I've got too much of the light in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Catherine, you were talking about her being trapped, and I, as the viewer, felt trapped in the sense that my first time watching this, um, I was thinking this is a story about the light side and that she's in there to go do, you know, kind of kind of slay the dragon sort of thing um, for everybody in this cave. So... I fell for the trap. And even at the end, when the Sith Mother appears, I'm like, this does not quite feel right. Because I thought it was a good being that was coming. And um, at the end, I was like, okay, she had the Sith eyes, though. But anyway, up until that point, I, I was lured into the trap uh, and, and kind of fell for it. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else had a similar experience. The shape of the stone that she pulled down was the key for me. Because as it was moving forward, it looked just like a Star Destroyer coming in and over a planet. Okay. And so Uh. I was like, oh, you could just feel she was like bringing the darkness. She wasn't just trying to get out. She was drawing this darkness to herself. Yeah, that's how I saw it anyway. That's cool. That's, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's like the whole point of this episode is like how alluring the darkness can be and how reasonable our, our reasons for choosing the dark can be. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, the, the I'm sorry. I cut you off Patrick. No, I mean, um, the conversation between doll and, um, oh man, I can't keep his name in my head. Bathon. Yeah. You know, like when she's, you know, she says, or he tells her, if you've got a chance at it and you really want to take it, do it and don't look back, right? And then that gets replayed uh, in front of the Sith mother. And you can tell at that point, Bathon's like, 
this isn't really what I meant, <laughs> but I can't go back on those words at the same time. Um, and I'm going to acquiesce to what's going on, but it's, it's, it's like, it's that draw that doll has to, I want something more. Um, it's just, just a very human draw, right? Like I, I, you know, as a recently turning 40 and going through my existential crisis, <laughs> as, a, as a newly minted four Check year that old. off your list. <laughs> I, um, you know, don't I, worry, I you'll never whole... have any other existential crises. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I understand the whole, you know, it, you know, th- is this my life? Is this going to be it? It is, am I supposed to do more with it? Is I, like, I know, I understand that struggle. Um, and it, but I think it's interesting the way this plays out and she gets put into a place where it's like, I can get what I think is what I want. Um, but what did I have to do to get it? Am I okay with that? And you can kind of see that like, as the ship is closing on her face and she, unlike, um, Baythor said, don't look back. She's looking back as the, as the trap closes around her. Right. Um, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I love the when they're in the cave and it's all kind of shadowy and dark and, and just, you know, almost badly sketched, it seems like when they're dealing with this ghost. It reminds me a lot of um, the Sandlot with the giant dog, right? Yeah. And, and oh, okay. you know, they're hitting the baseballs over, and the giant dog is just this giant monstrous like puppet, right? That they're this giant dog that's eating the balls and you know going after all of their attempts to get the ball back. And then eventually they get to the point where they see the dog face to face, and it's a dog, right? It's a big dog, but it's a dog. It's not this giant monster. Pu- and and that's exactly kind of what you get as they go into this spooky cave. Is this crazy sort of imagination? You know, like the the war is always in your head, kind of a thing. The battle, the true battle, is always in your head. Um, and then eventually, you know, after the the cave kind of caves in, um, and she sees the, and it's a house, like effectively a house, right? Like there's, you can see the bed, you can see like, um, you know, earthenware stuff, and and this person that was living here, who was right, not doing anything necessarily evil, right? She's she tries to scare people off by screaming at them and really only resorts to the lightsaber when she can't get rid of this <laughs> little girl <laughs> who's invading her space. Right. Yeah. What if she's scaring people off so that they won't kill her so that they won't become Sith? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, yeah, the question of who is who is this ghost is it's not answered in no. any way. She does have a red lightsaber, so at least we kind of know what side she's on or at least was on yeah yeah mm. well you should if you're gonna switch sides you shouldn't leave your red lightsaber around you should um purge, <laughs> or what what is it when you, you purge the purify yeah or purify oh, yeah. it anyway i hope that wasn't lola oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean there there are a lot of of easy connections to make between these two episodes um I was I was actually thinking that uh, Doll was kind of Lola's beginning. Yeah. Mm. Well, and and the other thing we talk about Lola, Lola wasn't praying to the force, but Doll is. 
She's saying, give me strength, give me courage. Um, and, I thought she and, was oh, talking to the, to the, the medallion. The communication. Yeah. yeah. But she, you know, she's praying to somebody. She's asking for, yeah, you know, true. give me, and, and it starts with give me strength and courage. Yeah. You know, I will walk with strength and courage. And then, then give me strength, give me strength. And, and again, this is, you know, a difference between the light and the dark is, you know, the dark seeks power and the light seeks, you know, knowledge and defense. Yeah. Wisdom. Never attack. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, you, you see, you see glimpses of the darkness. I really liked, um, Bathon's light in the cave. Yeah. When that came yeah. on and having that uh, pentagon-shaped light halo around it, mm. and the way it kind of twinkled back and forth, it felt like, you know, like that one star in the darkness. This is mm-hmm. the one way where I'm trying to guide you to come back. Another aspect of the light in this story that I didn't pick up on on my own, it was part of the the extra on Disney Plus about this episode, was that when they're around the campfire, they're all in the light, including Doll. But then near the end of that, she, as she's sort of yearning for the stars, is moves out of the light. Um, ah. And the light seems to be centered around the, this friend group again. And, and with Doll, it's, I mean, with Bathon, it's Bathon in the cave who's providing the light. Um, oh, yeah. And Doll's yeah, just going yeah. off on her own further into the darkness. Yeah, definitely not waiting for them. Yeah. Wait, let's we need to stick together. And she's like, no, this is this is my mission. And and I get the sense that she doesn't want them with her because she knows at the very least that it's dangerous. Um but maybe also that she senses there's something not quite entirely good about this, and she wants to protect her friends from you know, like like you know, it's like it's 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 okay for me to you know i don't know i'm thinking of like the godfather or something it's like it's it's okay for for this this part of the family to to engage in the criminal enterprises but we want to keep at least one member of the family safe and pure and and so on mm-hmm. and and i wonder if she wants to keep the rest of her friend group safe and pure yeah it's almost uh, like she knew that it would just be taking them into a new prison. They had yeah. the prison of the workhouse and going to that doesn't mean you're free. You're going to be trapped again. Yeah. All, all of Satan's empty promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who, who says, yeah, the, the devil's greatest victory is to uh, tempt you to betray your values and give you nothing in return. Yeah, and that ship coming down really did look like an angel of death kind of thing once she opened the doors and came out. Yeah, the physics of that ship are like even more impossible than normal in Star Wars. <laughs> it's like it's a like, little wisp. Where, where does that staircase fit into that? Yeah. <laughs> I was, the, the animators pointed out um, that there's a stinger on, at the rear of it. So it's it, it presents uh. as a flower, but there's a stinger thorn at the rear of it yeah 
Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. We started talking a little bit about the the overlap between these two episodes. Um let's 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 uh, maybe just broaden the conversation generally um to uh you know what what is it that connects these episodes and and maybe what what do we think about Visions season 2 altogether um or at least the Visions or maybe even the whole Visions project. It's fun to see, you know, people's different takes on it. But um the connection with these two was really shocking at first, almost to the point where I was like, is the whole season going to be like this? Where there's going to be this continual choice for darkness? Mm. It kind of made me feel sad. I was like, why, why are we continuing to incorporate the darkness as if it's okay? I haven't watched the other episodes yet for season two. Um, Ooh. I assume they're not all dark, but, uh, they are not. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, the first one uh, was troubling for me, uh, the first episode. And then this one, I just felt like it was a, by the end of it, a very dark tale. Um, I enjoyed listening to one of my other children who was watching it with me. He kept saying, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. As it sort of kept um, getting worse. And then at the end where she is, is closed off from her friends and, and their tears in her eyes. So, um, I, I guess that's uh, a, a long way of saying that uh, with uh, that, I, I hope the rest of the season isn't so dark. Um, but again, it comes back to kind of that fascination with evil that we have. Um, not that that's a good thing, but it is. Isn't it George Lucas who said he was really surprised at how many kids wanted to be like Darth Vader. Oh yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised still today. Yeah. Like, why, why don't you want to be like Luke? Why don't you want to be like the hero? (laughs) Like, oh, Darth Vader. Yay. Yeah. It's, I I think this is maybe why I started thinking of like doll as the beginning and Lola as the end Mm -hmm. of like a bigger story. Because that, I I mean, in a sense, that's, that's the original trilogy, um, you know, with with Vader starting out as the villain and and finding redemption at the end with Luke, right? Um, looking for, uh, you, you know, looking for his power, his destiny, and using it to help others rather than to gain his own power. Um, and and you see that that theme through. A lot of Star Wars, um, you know, in in a sense, the Clone Wars is is kind of trying to do what Screechers Reach did, um, but you know, extended over uh, you know seven seasons. Yeah, I I don't know. Sith really surprised me in so many ways. I, you, you talk about the fascination with with evil but one of the things that i thought sith did really well was show the how fascinating good can be and it like i was kicking myself like why did i never think of using the force to do art right (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could (laughs) yeah (laughs) make my job so much easier (laughs) i'll just stick with jesus yeah well 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much of the way the force is presented, it's all about, uh, you know, the power to be able to move things or manipulate things. So the whole idea of using it to do something beautiful or creatively expressive. Yeah. Why hasn't anybody thought of that before? Um, and I, yeah. Uh, I'm a canon junkie when it comes to Star Wars, and I have a hard time with anything that's not, you know, part of canon. Like, what's the point? Why am I watching this? But something <laughs> like this, where people can just do what they want, it opens up some ideas about how the Force could be used that hasn't ever been used in anything canon before that I know of. So I, that's, yeah. there's a great value in um, having this sort of sandbox that these creatives can play in. Um, without it having to fit uh, into the canon aspects of the story. Although I do like to try and place these episodes like, well, where would this fit, you know, in the timeline or something like that. Did anyone think of Princess Leia when you heard the name Lola? Mm. So in the Ben Kenobi series, oh. little Princess Leia, her droid is called Lola. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And so then when I, I as soon as I heard Lola, I thought of Princess Leia. And then I was like, what if this was Leia trying to no longer follow her father? Because the Sith master, he had a strong, very scary Darth Vader sense to him. And then especially yeah. when they had the fight in the hallway, it felt like when Luke and Vader fought in the hallway, um, and, and holy uh, fights are a classic Star Wars trope. Yes, they are classic. <laughs> but yeah, so in Cloud City, and that, that whole feeling felt like that. And so it was like, yeah, I mean, what? think of her as almost Princess Leia trying to say, I'm not following you anymore. I don't like the path your life went on. I'm going to the light side. And it just, it really struck me as that, that could be a neat way to think of this. It's almost like an optional like storyline for Leia and... And Anakin. Yeah, I like I like that idea. Uh, how about you, Patrick? Any any thoughts on on like what connects these episodes, or or just the broader visions project in general? Um, so I wanted to do one parting shot about uh, specifically Screechers Reach. <laughs> um, oh sure, sure. And that was that it was just a wonderful um, fairy tale. Um, and yeah, and not you know, kind of the modern last, you know, hundred years or so fairy tale. This was a hardcore fairy tale, like where the Fae are manipulating the humans. And then it's sort of like, I'm taking you into my world and the Fae, you know, you have Lola with her little trinket, or not Lola, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, doll. Doll. With yeah. her, with her yeah. little trinket that she's been talking with which is a magic you know kind of artifact and she goes off and does this thing for the fae creature and confronts some problem they're dealing with and then they invite her back and so it's it's very much like she's entering the unseelie court now and she's going to become a changeling and, and it's very much like she's coming out of her world into so like it being an Irish studio that did it, I'm like, that's exactly what they went into this with. Like, this is going, we're going to make oh, a fairy yeah. tale, like an old school fae, you know, don't trust the fae, whatever you do kind of fairy tale <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. And it was like the minute the, the Sith ship like hit and the door opened and I was like, 
oh my gosh this is amazing mm. <laughs> like um so this is by far like my favorite my screeches reach was my favorite you know being like a you know somewhere between a half and a quarter irish <laughs> in- <laughs> <laughs> it's it's up there it's up yeah. there episode three is maybe my other favorite but we'll have to wait till next week to or a couple weeks to get there I, for vision for visions in general, what I like about uh, season two is the broad differences between the art styles. Um, visions one had some differentiation, but it was all it was all very Japanese animation, um, and I think it was mostly Japanese studios, if I remember correctly. Um, and season two Japanese is and Korean, I think. Yeah, yeah. Season two is everywhere you know <laughs> it's across mm-hmm. the globe and so you get very different um styles and and settings and and voices to be honest you get different accents um, which is always interesting in the in the star wars universe when you get a new accent um i'm still still very angry that the only hardcore southern accent that's ever been in star wars is this some empire terrible imperial <laughs> in in mandalorian season two yeah. and i'm just like way to make southerners the bad <laughs> yeah. guys again hollywood thanks <laughs> thanks anybody who's got a southern draws you were either evil or an idiot i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> um but it's been fun hearing all the different accents um so that's i think that's my biggest takeaway is this, is it's a it's a so a broader set of animation and a broader set of stories we're kind of getting out of it because, um, I mean, Japanese animation is awesome and, and, you know, Asian animation is, yeah. is amazing in a lot of ways, but it tends towards certain tropes. Um, and there was definitely at least one visions episode where you're like, okay, come on guys, <laughs> this is just so anime. <laughs> Yeah, there there was definitely a a very consistent thread through most of the season one episodes, and and despite the connections between these two episodes, there is not really a consistent thread that ties all of them together for season two. Um, except you know how cool is the Star Wars universe, and and how broad it is and and how much there is to think about and talk about and so on so yeah no i i don't know i i really enjoyed both these episodes i enjoyed the the whole season and i have really enjoyed talking with you guys about these first two episodes um we would love to hear your thoughts dear listeners as well so please drop us an email at starwars at sqpn.com or uh, check us out on social media we're on facebook at facebook.com slash starquest media we're on twitter at sqpn and uh, maybe our most active community, my favorite, is the Discord community. You can go to, you can join that by going to our website, sqpn.com slash discord. Um, we appreciate all the support you give for us. Uh, you can find previous and future episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars at our website, sqpn.com slash Star Wars. Uh, but please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you choose. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and we even have a YouTube channel. Um, 
we would especially like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible to create Secrets of Star Wars and all of the other SQPN shows. Uh, today, we'd like to especially thank Sylvia H., Ramona F., Andrew M., Alaska Tom, and Pat F. Your generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue Secrets of Star Wars and uh, all of the other StarQuest shows. Any of you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, so next time we will be back and we will discuss a couple more episodes of Season 2 of Visions. Till then, Patrick... Thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Wars. That was great being here. Catherine, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Definitely fun. Thank you. And Chris, it's been terrific talking to you. Thanks for being on the show. You're very welcome. And I need to just put in a public service announcement that for any children, when you meet a stranger with red and yellow eyes, just don't go with them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. Walk just away. Good advice. <laughs> does not matter how much candy they're offering. <laughs> no. Yeah. The dark side may have cookies, but they also have imprisonment and slavery. Yes. <laughs> so, we're not going to go there. <laughs> we hope you don't either. <laughs> That's right. Once again, I've been Robert King. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Let's Science. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash science.